Carol Eric. I was like, Anthony, how did, how did Carolyn look bringing the ball up yesterday? You know, it was all right. Inside. You know what he was thinking? What? Hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're taking me out. Oh, man. That's hilarious. All right. <laughs> you ready? We've bullshitted for 20 minutes. Oh, man. That's, That's awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, God. It was. It was, a, it was a good day yesterday. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Yeah, I see. I got, I got the list. All right. I do, too. Okay. All right. Here we go then. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to season two, episode 10 of the Strongly Worded Podcast. I'm Sue O'Lear. And I am Johnny Hampton. And we are coming at you on a Sunday afternoon from the dining room studio. <laughs> Just me and Johnny this time. <laughs> We've had a, a wonderful season of a lot of amazing guests. But uh, today it's back to back to just us. <laughs> Don't turn it off. Please. Don't turn- <laughs> keep listening. <laughs> yeah. So today, what we're going to do is uh, recap our community season. We're gonna tie up some loose ends, talk about you know some of our favorite moments with each of our guests, and um, just kind of finish up our conversation about community. Yeah. So, first off, it was super fun to have guests. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> when we started this, I never imagined we would be interviewing people, not only here in the dining room studio, but across the country, right? Right. Yeah, it was, uh, at first, I, have, I, I was almost a little territorial about our space, yeah. figurative space. Um, but I really loved having a, a third or sometimes a fourth you know, person in here with us and um, humble brag, maybe not so humble brag. I loved how um, kind of positively we were received by our guests. How many people said, oh, this is a great vibe. The couple, you know, that we had actually here in the studio with yeah. us, but even those that we interviewed remotely um, kind of picked up what we were putting down. Yeah, I mean, they were comfortable, smooth conversations, mm-hmm. um, not a lot of pressure. You know, we don't <laughs> we don't view ourselves as investigative journalists. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they were just conversations with questions that normal people would ask you. That's something that I thought about as I would prepare for different guests is if I were driving along listening to this podcast, listening to this interview, what would I like? I don't want people to be screaming a, a question like ask. You know what I mean? I wanted to be sure to ask stuff that people would really be curious about and not you know, not miss one. Because I've listened to plenty, I, I listen to podcasts all the time, and there are times when I'm like, how I mean, could you miss that? I mean, you know, ultimately when you interview people, you will miss things mm-hmm. because you get caught up in the vibe yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're listening to people tell their stories, and sometimes you just want to let them tell the stories without interrupting. And it isn't until I listen back when I'm editing that I sometimes hear things that I didn't hear the first time. And you're like, ah. Oh. Yeah. If we would have just followed up there, we, we mm-hmm. could have gotten a little bit more. But that's normal, right? Mm-hmm. You know? We don't just have to have them all back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. 
but it was fun. So we, Johnny and I both, I think that anybody who's even listened to probably one episode knows that Johnny and I are both very community oriented. We're very community focused here where we live in Palm Coast. Um, and even, you know, places we lived before when we were, when my family lived in North Carolina, we owned a business that connected us to that, that community. Um, and then coming from where we come from, um, a lot of who we are is because of where we're, where we're from. Yes. So it would be, it was a, a natural progression for this to be our first topic. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we came up with the idea, I think you came up with this idea for this season. It was a great, we, we immediately had guests that we had in mind, mm-hmm. which was good. Mm-hmm. And they each got to talk about what they do for the community they either live in or work in. Mm-hmm. And it was enlightening. It was, um, it was enlightening to learn about their experience, but I also then kind of learned things about myself along the way. Um, and we're going to talk about each guest um, as we go along, but especially talking to some of the people who are from where I'm from and hearing their take on either our experiences when we were kids or, or you know, who, the, like, I guess I never really thought that my sort of want need to organize or direct really came from I mean Flint is a union town right Right. of course of course you know it was the pre-interview with Cinnamon where she said that about herself and I was like duh that makes so much sense you know I noticed an overriding theme throughout each and every guest that we had and it reminded me of myself each guest we had you know we would kind of ask them you know do you realize the impact you're having? Or do you realize at the time X, Y, Z? And most, if not all, like, nah. Like, I'm just doing the work. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel a lot. When people say, hey, do you realize? I'm like, no, not really. I'm just doing, and I thought that was just like, you know, something unique to me. But it seems like most people who are involved in helping their communities are just doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking about themselves at all. Right. They're thinking about... Maybe even to their detriment sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. They're thinking about doing the work. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about helping kids or providing jobs or safety, all those things that we've talked about. They're not thinking about if they're going to get a community service award. Mm-hmm. They just find that something is needed and they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our first interview um, was about um, an author, a local author. Yeah. And um, Tim and his uh, producing partner, Stephanie, sat down with us, Tim Baker, to talk about adapting his novel, Unfinished Business, into a television series. Okay, so let's take one step back and just tell the audience. The name of the book is Unfinished Business. That's correct. Tell me a little bit about the story. The story revolves around a woman named Meg, and she's a mortician. And through an unexplained phenomenon, Meg is suddenly compelled to act out the final thought of the people she embalms. Anytime a body comes into her funeral parlor, as soon as she touches the body, 
Whatever that person was, whatever was on their mind when they died, she has to see that thought through. Uh, at first, it's relatively harmless, you know, the usual things you would think of, telling somebody you love them, mm -hmm. telling somebody that what they meant to the, you know, but as, as it has to happen in a book or a movie or whatever, things take a turn for the worse when she uh, embalms the body of a, a convicted murderer who had revenge on his mind, which puts her in some trouble. Yeah, great book. It really was a good book. Yeah, it was a great book. Uh, Perfect I, for an adaptation to the to the small screen. Yeah, and I don't know how he didn't see it. And that's what I mean. Like, So, you know, obviously this is not like community organizing, but he's shooting this thing here in town, which is going to have a tremendous economic impact mm -hmm. on our city if they allow it to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember asking, like, didn't you realize, like, when you were writing this thing, like, man, this... It's like an episode and an episode right? and an yeah. episode. This thing has a chance to be... And he was like, no, nah, I'm just, just writing, writing my book. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, talking to them about, you know, what it took to get there, um, all the necessary steps they took in adapting this thing, and the pushback mm -hmm. they've received as well, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me still to this mm -hmm. day. If, you know, in my mind, our county should be opening all the doors for them. Yeah. When I originally thought of them and brought up the idea of inviting them onto the show, I was thinking of it in the context of the pandemic. Because I, uh, from the outside looking in, I thought, oh, well, the pandemic is a great time for people who maybe aren't having to go to the office every day now or whatever, have a different kind of free time on their hands. They could make some of these projects or dreams happen when they couldn't, when we were all busy, 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 busy. But in fact, I guess I was mistaken because the process had started pre-pandemic and kind of was on pause yeah, for a yeah. while during the pandemic. But it is something that we explored in the conversation about um, how these kinds of projects, they're more accessible to people now through technology, through streaming, through, I mean, even his books are independently published. Yeah. Um, and easy to find, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we did talk about that, how it, it's just easier now for creators to get their content out there. Mm-hmm. And, um... There, there are many more paths. Right. Like, you don't have to go to this major publishing house to get your book published. Mm hmm and you don't, you know, whether that, that's publishing, that's music, but in this case, publishing. So he was able to self-publish, mm -hmm. and then someone saw it, and now he's making a TV show. Mm -hmm. And he's making his TV show from scratch. I know. It's also a pretty cool lesson in networking and not burning bridges and who you know and being a good human because it seems like Stephanie Mazio that mm. was working he was working with, um, first off, she, her, I mean, she was just a delight. Like yeah. she was really fun to talk to, but she also has probably always been like that and could call this person or that person and say, Hey, look, I, I have this book. I have this idea. I have this friend, you know, it's people coming together and really helping each other out and yeah, lifting that, each other up. The whole story about how it's coming together was so uplifting to me. It gave me a little faith. Yeah. I mean, that can happen when you treat people well, right? Like, mm -hmm. so obviously she has. And she talked about a little bit, you know, I did makeup for this person. I did mm -hmm. this for this person. Mm -hmm. And because of that, people understand that when you come to them with something and you have faith in it, they can trust you. Right. Right. 
you know and so she built that right. trust and because of that you know she built that trust with tim mm -hmm. and she was able to connect his project to people who could help make it happen right and i love first off when i read it um and again the, the title is unfinished business you can find it on amazon or you know wherever you buy your books um it was fun to read a local author and see see our community in it yes 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 FPC is in it. Yes, the high school, the the property that I work, the cafe, the Waterside Cafe mm -hmm. at Grand Haven. Yeah. Um, Fins is in it, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, in all of his books is the Golden Lion. Right. So. Which is a great restaurant down at the beach for a, folks who aren't from around here. Which again, makes me not understand. Yeah, I mean they're why, super supportive of him. Why Flagler County government would just not be rolling out the red carpet for right. this guy? Right. But we are. I mean, I, I, they've said that they'll come back. I would love to have them back at yeah, some point to talk about what's ramp. happening. Yeah, they're ramping up. Yeah. So, yes, the book is Unfinished Business, and you can find information about it on Facebook. Um, following the process on face on their social has been a lot of fun. They're on Instagram and Facebook. His um, uh, company is Blind Dog Productions, B-L-I-N-D-O-G-G. We talked about that too. When you <laughs> when you choose an alternate spelling for your business, you're always spelling it out for people or yep. they can find it. Mm -hmm. But um, but unfinished business is the name of the the book and the show. And um, they were a super fun first guest to have they in the were. studio. They were great. Yeah, they were um, really 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 good. Yeah. So uh, our second guest was also and and I'm probably I have said this a hundred times throughout the season when we started talking about community he was one of the first people yeah he was like yeah he might have been the first he might have been the first yeah he might have been the first mm -hmm. yeah. Dwayne Jenkins Dwayne Jenkins or the mayor of Manila as I call him <laughs> <laughs> yep hopefully soon someday yeah you know, before too long uh, a I, run for a, some type of public office yeah, I just coached against him yesterday. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to, to that episode, Reading in White People Voices, <laughs> which is one of the favorite titles of anyone we've had so far, um, Dwayne is a reluctantly named, he, he wasn't sure he loved the title community organizer, but it, it's exactly what he is in a town, uh, Benel, um which is here in Flagler County, just right next door to where Johnny and I are sitting right now. And Johnny and I spend a lot of time in Benel. That's <laughs> where where our basketball league lives. Mm -hmm. And um, he shared with us uh, a very honest and inspiring story of, you know, being from there, trying to get out of there, being pulled back there, making some mistakes there. Ultimately, I guess finding redemption there yeah i mean you know his story is an interesting one right like you know a high school athlete joins the military gets out of you know when you when you're from a small town or even the inner city everyone's dream is to get out right mm -hmm. quote unquote get out and he did that um and he had then he came back and he had a child and Felt like he had to do some things to provide, and ended up doing some prison time. Mm -hmm. And I, I, the most striking story from that, you know, knowing him the way I do, and I and I know him well. Um, my assumption had always been, first of all, I didn't realize I had just met him right after he got out, mm -hmm. and so that was striking because when he got out, he 
his mindset was all ready to help the kids. And to find out that that mindset was born from a conversation he had with his daughter is what surprised me. For the longest time, my mentality was, when I get out, I'm just going to do the same thing I did. I'm just going to be smarter. Really? Yeah. And that, that surprises that, me. Because that was my next question. Like, yeah. while you were in, did you actually think to yourself, yo, when I get out, I'm just going to be better. I'm going to be a better person. And I'm going to, you know, keep my nose clean. You didn't think that. No, you was like, person. you was like, how can I not get caught the next exactly. time? Exactly. Exactly. And then what made it better, what made it uh, worse was I had a lot of people that would come to me and the people that I thought were going to be the ones that set me up, they didn't. It was someone that I least expected so i was like okay so if all these people didn't set me up i can get out and i get all these people back and then my life will just go back to normal mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i can just be be that guy again and there was i remember this one specific uh visit my uh, my oldest daughter came to see me she was 14 at the time and i don't know if you guys uh follow her on facebook but she's she's always on social media she's loud she's goofy she's funny she's bubbly you know what i mean she's uh she's a she's a clown she's very photogenic you know she posts a lot on social media and she's always been that way so one day we took a picture at visitation and we're like standing back to back with our arms folded like you know father and daughter and then we, we went to sit down and i go hey are you gonna put that picture on facebook and she just started making up all these excuses as to why mm. she couldn't. Oh, well, I don't have the app. I have to re-download the app. I'm like, I haven't been gone that long. It takes two seconds. I know how long it takes to download the app. Right. She's like, yeah, but then I, I have to remember my password and all this stuff. So I just blew it off for about five minutes. And then I started thinking about it. Like, you're lying. <laughs> you're lying. You're always on social media. I was like, why don't you want to post a picture? Are you embarrassed? And she just dropped her head. Like, like, she didn't want to tell me she's embarrassed, but it was kind of like, yeah, I, I just don't want to go through that, right? So I was like, Jay, are you really embarrassed? And she just, she wouldn't answer me. So I felt really, really bad. That was, I felt really, really bad at that point. Like, really bad. So I told myself at the end of the uh, visitation, I was like, I can't, I can't do this, man. Like, because that's impacting more than just me. You know what I mean? It's impacting my 14-year-old daughter. My, my like she sees it, she understands what's going on. This is not a game. You know, as much as she comes and gives me a big hug at visitation and hi dad, I love you, she's still she's still embarrassed. And I don't want that. I never wanted that. That's not the life I want. That's not the, the type of father I wanted to be. I don't want to raise my kids from from prison. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I told I went back to my, my dorm and I remember and I prayed to God. I said, Listen, I was like, please put me in a situation when I get out where I don't have to, to do this. To take that moment and turn it into what he's turned it into, and he's done all this stuff on his own, peace walks and marches and uh, community giveaways for Easter and Santa for Christmas. And, and showing up to the gym. Yep, you know, coaching all the kids mm -hmm. in, in, in Benel who want to play for the Carver Tigers, which is the community team, and, and just putting in the time and effort that he does. You know, he works at a restaurant. Sometimes he'll come directly to the gym to coach a game right from his shift, smelling like seafood. <laughs> and we all want to go get that famous fish sandwich. <laughs> you know? Like he, Why is it I'm always hungry when Dwayne comes here? <laughs>
<laughs> and like he, he's that dedicated. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. even go home to shower. Right. Sometimes he goes and coaches a game and goes back to and work. Goes back to work. And you know, he he's just an inspiring story to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he shows w- what can be if you just put your mind to it. Um, that anybody can impact the community if they want to. Mm-hmm. You just have to put the time and energy into doing it. And look, uh, a mistake, it's hard to have a mistake in your past, especially as a young black man, mm-hmm. and not have it beget more and more mistakes. Right. I love his story because we know kids that, you know, face serious things or make bad choices or yeah. whatever. And, yeah. and I love that we have a living, breathing awesome human embodiment of you can come back from that right and and you know that you don't you don't one bad mistake doesn't have to ruin your life you don't have to keep going down that path Mm -hmm. it's difficult and he Mm -hmm. i mean he explained that it's been difficult um but if you if you just stick to it you can come out the other side and his story is important excuse me and, and him being in the community is important because he can tell that story. Mm-hmm. You can look them up. I've been through these things, and now I'm going through these things, and I've done this. And you can too. Like you can get out of here mm-hmm. and go to the army. You can go to the navy. You can go. You know, I was talking to somebody just yesterday, and I heard that this person wanted to go to the navy, and I was like, "You you going to the navy? I'm gonna miss you because it's actually one of my favorite people at the gym." And that person said to me, "Coach." I can't be on the block forever. And me going away, you know, I'll be able to help my family. Mm-hmm. Like, can't argue with that. That's right. <laughs> can't argue with that. And those people will be examples, you know. And you bring that back to the community and you show these young people, hey, listen, you don't got to go to college. You don't got to do all these things. You can join the military. You can do different things. You can just work at a trade job. He was at a call center. Mm-hmm. He, like, There's so many other ways you can get out of the circumstances that you're living in. And like, he's a shining example of that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy he got to tell his story. He was excited about it as well. Mm-hmm. So he was a good guest. Yeah, that was a, it's one of my favorite episodes we did Yeah. this season. I say that a lot. <laughs> they all can be your favorite. I know, but they are. They are. <laughs> Our third interview this season was with someone who's somewhat of a local celebrity amongst the, the teenage <laughs> set. When we moved to Palm Coast in 2017, um, my son was just beginning his freshman year in college, in college his freshman year in high school. Um, I one of the things that I assured him would happen to kind of make him feel less anxious about the move was that, you know, you'll get there, you'll make the basketball team, you'll have friends, your life will be different, but it will feel familiar to you. Just hold on. Mm -hmm. And then he didn't make the team. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he very quickly uh, made a trio of friends and one of them was this guest, um, David Reese, or as the 
the kids call him Doris, is a YouTuber, TikToker. Um, and back when he and Joseph first became friends uh, freshman year, he, I mean, they were kind of funny interviews and interesting <laughs> pranks, and and it's evolved. But um, his YouTube channel um, just went, it blew up. He had a couple things that went viral, and before he knew it, he... Uh, he had a following and he had a following that um, stayed with him that allowed him uh, the ability to monetize his channel um, and and gave him a pretty serious financial reward I mean he was making some good money um, and I was super curious and interested to talk to this local local celebrity so his youtube channel is dereis d-a-r-e-i-s if you ever wanted to check him out i recommend his early stuff but he he and joseph (laughs) you know became friends kind of going around and doing these funny interviews and and in the beginning uh david was sort of the butt of his own joke and i found that funny i think it's funny to laugh at yourself right so so it was an it was a good interview it was an interesting interview yeah you know you know me I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of old school, you know. Sue had to hold me back from a couple of questions in that one. I like the kid. Um, what I what I noticed most about that is how different he was as opposed to what I've seen on the videos, mm-hmm. right? Like how measured he was, how thoughtful he was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he's very confident in himself. <laughs> you're going to think about the content of your videos 10 years from now, 15 years from now. You think they're going to hold up? You think what do you think? Um, by 10 years, it'll definitely change. It'll I'll probably have a family <laughs> by then. I probably will have a family, so it more probably be a family channel. Mm-hmm. You know, more of a PG channel. Cause my channel's not PG right now. My channel is no, you, sir, it is not. You can't. No, it is not PG. Yeah, my channel is very not PG. Uh-huh. But uh, it probably will get to that point. You know, I'm just. It's like growing with your audience. My, my audience is probably 14, 15 years old right now. Mm-hmm. Met like yeah. So, um, 10 years, I'll be 28. It'll probably be 25. So. They'll grow with me, you know. It's it's gonna be more of a family channel. That's what I think. Uh, yeah. It's good to to be thinking about that evolution, because that's how you stay relevant. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over with. Yeah, for sure. You know, he's a kid who knows he's not going to college. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to make this a full time career. As I said, like he's putting a bet on himself, and you can't you can't not like that. Right. Like right. You you have to say, hey man, someone who believes in himself that much, more power to him. This was definitely an interview that I had a lot of thoughts about during the editing process. That I had I had it been a two parter, I would have come back with some more questions about. And this, there were a couple things, um, and and some of it, I'm sure as as thoughtful as he is, he's still a 16-year-old kid, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think when he was talking about his channel and his style of 
what he posts kind of growing and evolving with him as he grows and evolves. And, you know, he, he one day wants to be married and have a family, and, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and he kind of sees his, his style of post postings change. Like, remember when, um, who's that comic? Oh, he's so good and so irreverent and he passed away. But anyway, he, he was definitely an adult's comic. And then he ended up on Thomas, the tank engine what right <laughs> or a lot of them i mean eddie murphy's making kid movies now and stuff like yeah, that yeah, i mean that's kind of what i thought of i thought that was pretty cool and it's a you know i i i would have wanted to talk a little more about you know his followers staying with him that long because he's not finishing high school he dropped out of high school he's right. not going to college he's not going to be doing a lot of the things that a lot of you know the people who oh, are watching may- him right now so you know how do they stay connected that's a great question. I mean, damn, we may, yeah, we may have missed the one on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I also, like, as thoughtful as he is, he does not think about the impact his videos make. Mm-hmm. Because I asked him that. And he, I don't know if he had a great answer for it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think he's thought about that. No. You know, if, 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 let's say, I don't know what the percentage is of 18-year-olds who end up going to college. But let's say it's 60. If, if he's not at college and he's not on a campus doing these jokes, mm-hmm. are those 60% going to be like, I don't got time for this? Right. Well, it, he also um, didn't have a huge vocabulary for for what, like what it is he does or why he wanted it. Maybe it's common among influencers or the kids coming up like this today, but it started to sound like why he wanted to do this was the fame or the popularity, not the, he, he doesn't, he did, he, he kind of stuck, fumbled with the question, is this an art form? Do you consider what you do an art form? I studied theater. I look at comedy as an art form. It's definitely an art form. He doesn't realize it. He doesn't realize it. No. And, and I don't think that everybody has to go to school and get a traditional education in order to be successful. Um, but you know, his, um, inspirations or the people who influence him were not people make, were not great comics or were not, Mm -hmm. you know, they were other influencers. And I just, uh, hesitate when I, I mean, we've seen a lot of, in in our 40 plus years, we've seen a lot of trends come and go. Um, 40 plus, um. What are you doing? <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> but we've seen a lot of trends come and go. Like what you're doing right now, the way you're doing it right now is going to evolve and change. Right. You know, I mean, we live in an age like we're old enough to have not had a cell phone, to have not had the Internet, to have not had Facebook. Like, you know, we to go from where maybe you had one TV in the living room to mm. one in every room. Yeah. So for me, like when you. You know, we, I remember during that interview, I said, well, you may not want to go to college, but don't you want to do X, Y, and Z to know? Like, I don't know. College is not for everyone, and I get that. But knowledge is for everyone. Exactly. So how are you, like, what are you doing to learn to make yourself better? Exactly. How are and, you going to stay relevant if... And I'm not sure he knows yet. Yeah. And, he, and maybe he doesn't have to at 17 I mean, years he, old. Right. I mean, you know he's I mean? 17. All right. So maybe he doesn't have to, but... I'm, I'm glad we, I don't know if he took anything from the interview. I don't think he, he never posted about it like he said he would. 
I know we wanted we we didn't just want you for your following, Doris. <laughs> he didn't post it like he said he would. But no, it was a good conversation. Yeah, really, and I, and I really thought that his followers would like to hear it. I mean, truthfully, I. I I feel like things like this are one way that people stay with you through transition is they get to know you. He'll probably do a much more famous podcast. I know. That's and, exactly and what's so, going to happen. And, and then, I'm going to be like, dude, then, you've slept in my house. And then he's going to post that you. one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they, are, they already have 8 million followers. <laughs> he's not going to, hey, you want 2 more million? That's hilarious. <laughs> but I did like in all seriousness I really did ho- I had hope that um, <laughs> that maybe you know some of his followers would listen to him talk as him as David and not Doris nah he wasn't <laughs> and he was you know it's the first time he'd ever done it he'll learn and he'll give somebody yeah, else the great attention. interview I'm never mentioning it <laughs> He showed me, <laughs> but it is a good interview, and uh, I hope that if you haven't listened to it, you'll go back <laughs> and check out Darice D A R E I S oh, on Instagram and TikTok. So that's funny. <laughs> um, oh man! I'm sorry. Am I keeping you up? No, no. It's just, you know. We were up late last night. Yeah. I was wired. Yeah. Yeah, I was too. Um, and we came home and turned the TV on for a little while and talked. And then, just like that, it left me. And I was like, oh, I have to go to sleep now. Joe <laughs> <laughs> so was like, wait a minute. Well, I thought we were going to watch Saturday Night Live. I thought, nope, sorry. I'm out. I'm out. Um, so we had an interview with a, a local celebrity of a different kind. Um, we had Karen Barchowski come uh, talk to us. And Karen owns uh, a, a local landmark down at the beach, Sally's Ice Cream Shop. Best, best ice cream in Flagler County. Yes, the best ice cream. Um, now, it's not communist ice cream. Like if you read any of the conflicts on Facebook <laughs> uh, surrounding her ice cream, but... Uh, Karen was another it's hard for me sometimes not to call her Sally when I'm talking about her but Karen was another one that I wanted to reach out to when we first started talking about this season because I became aware I I mean I've known Sally's I've known her ice cream shop but I became aware of her and part of her kind of her situation um, at the beginning of the lockdown or I guess a little bit into the lockdown when um, we started watching the coverage about George Floyd and local people like Dwayne and Karen were argue, were organizing, were community organizing, were yeah. organizing um, marches and demonstrations. And she, at her business, um, sort of became the center of conflict and controversy because um, she was living her values through her business. She, um, you know, was. Uh, definitely has a place that she makes everybody aware is inclusive Mm -hmm. of everyone and she even said that like I'm not against anybody I'm here for everybody right Um, and so the fact that she would sort of lend her business's name to uh, some of some of these acts of social justice right Uh, caused some conflict because her shop is sort of kitty corner from where the the Trump flags were flying in the big trucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh-
as far as what brought us into the major spotlight of this, mm-hmm. and first off, you know, politics is, it wasn't about politics. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference between politics and social justice and human rights and what is right. I don't believe it owned, there, there's no political party that owns this. Out of all the interviews we had, I felt the most, I don't want to say the most honored, but it was a privilege to interview her because it is very clear she doesn't talk about this stuff a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, She tries to stay out of the spotlight. Um, She lets what she plans and what she says speak for itself. And for her to come and sit down with us and open up like she did, it was a real privilege. Um, because you could tell it wasn't easy for her at first, especially. Right. Um, because we live in a town that is mostly red when it comes to politics. They don't understand social justice. And that's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Okay, some people don't understand it. And when you're out there with your business and you got stickers on your wall for LGBTQ and all this kind of stuff and Black Lives Matter, they don't get that. Mm-hmm. And for you know, for her to agree to come here and sit with us and even take the picture, mm-hmm. all of this stuff that she trusted us with, it felt it was a real privilege and an honor to speak to her. And you know, just from a personal standpoint, you know, I, I, you know, having a daughter that's part of the LGBTQ community, um, having a son that you know, you got to talk to him about police. The stuff that she does at that shop um, makes me feel seen. And it's somewhere I was already going to. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been taking Tiara and Anthony there for many years. Um, so to, to sit and talk with a person who really cares, and not just about the people in the community, about the people she employs, the minimum wage that she pays. The fact that she says, well, you know, we can pay this minimum wage if it's not all about profits. Mm -hmm. You know, she was amazing. Um, You know, talking about how she raised her kids, how she runs her business, and, you know, how she faced all of that turmoil. Uh, Very strong woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. It was... uh like you said, I felt like it was a, just, I felt like it was a privilege that she stepped so far outside of her comfort zone um, to sit down with us. And she's one, even at the end, and when we turned everything off and, and we're just kind of shooting the breeze, um, she said she was one of the first to really remark on the vibe that we set. And she felt so at ease talking with us. Uh, you know, she was sort of upfront with me in the beginning about how. When I initially reached out, she was skeptical because of, yeah, you, you know, know, the me, you don't know. So, we're, mm-hmm. you know, she had her daughter kind of check us out and look at our website and listen to an episode or, you know, whatever. And I appreciated that she did that. Yeah. And I really, I felt, uh, I was happy that she. Yeah. I believe her daughter runs the Sally's Ice Cream account, mm-hmm. Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I remember that, you know, when the interview dropped, she posted it. Mm-hmm. And I sent her a message. I said, it was great to talk to your mom. Like, it was mm-hmm. great. Yep. You know, like, so 
you know, I hope she keeps that place forever. <laughs> I do. I really, it's true. I mean, in, the, in that area, I don't know what I thought moving to a beach town would be like, but I didn't really think that it would be so red. And And I don't know why, because... I feel like you look at the ocean every day, you breathe that salt air every day, you should, I don't know, it should put you in some kind of mindset that's much more loving. And And, and here's, the, here's the thing. So I didn't think about that either. But I think it's, so I say, you know, I'm going to correct myself. Because I said, like, it's a, you know, a red town. They don't understand social justice. I don't know if not understanding social justice is a strictly political party thing. So I apologize for that. I just think in our little town, there is a lot of racism. Um, I mean, we we had Dwayne talk about that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of uh, sexism, mm. <laughs> okay? Mm -hmm. And people don't understand LGBTQ issues. Mm -hmm. That's where we're at. So that may not be a red issue, but it's a Flagler County issue. Mm -hmm. And well, and it's something that she said, too, very eloquently, was that these aren't political issues. They're moral issues. Right. And, and, and I made that mistake just now. Mm -hmm. we, you know, we, we, morally, you should want everyone to be equal. Right. And like, I could care less if you're a man and you sleep with a man. You need to get, if, I'm going to hire you if you're qualified for the job. Mm -hmm. Like, right. these are the things we're talking about. Like, if you're a black man... And you put your hands up, you shouldn't get shot. I mean, this seems logical enough. I mean, I was saying earlier on another topic, but it's not, things don't have to be this complicated. And it's just very often, like I posted something on Facebook yesterday, I shared something that basically breaks down how explaining things to children, we make it more difficult. We make it issues about what we know about them at our age and not about uh, the child at that age, like talking about what LG, I, I always say it wrong. LGBTQ. <laughs> I always get the, I, it's not a reflection on how I care about that community. <laughs> I just get tongue tied. But, um, and the little girl was asking what the letters meant. And one adult was like, you don't need to be worried about that. But the mother just said it. Well, the L is lesbian. And that is when two women have love you know have love for one another and the in yeah, gay yeah. is when it two men love mm -hmm. one another and you know just sort of broke it down and like it's the adults that screw it up and make it about yeah one yeah you know one of the things i've always tried to do with my kids and you know maybe maybe one day we'll have them on and they can say whether or not <laughs> whether or not that's true like i've always tried to be real with them and mm -hmm. talk to them you know once they get past a certain age just talk to them like i talk to normal people and be normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, when because it, kids are not normal. No, when they're babies, you do the baby talk and stuff like that. I did that. But when you get to a certain age and you're ready to tell them something, you just got to be straight out. Like, you know, I remember, you know, having to tell my, having to tell Tiara a couple of times, family members have passed away or mm -hmm. some things happened and you couldn't be like, they've gone up to the great whatever in the sky. <laughs> nah, listen, this person, is, yeah. this person is gone and, that's what it is and we got to deal with it like yeah. you know when my dad passed away i had to go tell my son and mm. i had to tell him i couldn't you can't 
you know, you can't baby around these things. So right. I understand what you're saying. Like, hey, if someone wants to know what a lesbian is, you got to tell them. Two, and two women. Seriously, it's two women who are in love. Like That's it. That's all you need to tell them. That's all you need to tell them. Because that's all it is. That's it. That's all it is. So, yes, yeah, salute salute to her. Salute to, to Karen. She's great. I have not yet received my pint of Nutter Butter banana pudding ice cream. Which even means she's a better business person. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted I, to go down there and get some of that honey lavender. I haven't been. You know, I, I like I like to go in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will I will be there yeah, here in the next couple up. months. Yeah. yeah, we're gearing up for another. Brownie Sunday. There. Yeah, so uh, if you live in the area or if you're ever visiting uh, Flagler Beach, Sally's Ice Cream is right on the beach, right on A1A, and um, best ice cream. And you, you can't miss it. It's hot pink. Yeah, can't miss like, it. Hot pink and yellow. Great prices, great ice cream. Great ice cream, great people. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Karen, for being with us. Um, we had a guest. Maybe you should introduce he was a friend of yours. Oh, this is the, this is Charles Yarborough. Yeah. Yeah, we have my friend Charles Yarborough on. He's a he is a high school teacher and track and football coach in Queens, New York. And uh, <laughs> it's so funny when I I don't know if he's even listened to the the episode. What? He says he doesn't like to hear his own voice. Oh. <laughs> it he said hurts he w- my heart. He said he would listen to it eventually. I really liked him. You know, I had a another friend that I wanted to come on, but he never got back to me. But I, I had already asked Charles, and he said he would. He, he said he would do it. So that weekend, you know, we set it up, mm-hmm. and he got to come on and, and and talk about his various experiences. And he he said one thing. He said really really stuck with me. I wonder if it's going to be the same thing that he said that it stuck with me. Um, you hey, first. So we were talking about discipline. And he said, you know, a lot of times people want to over-discipline. And if you can just get past the moment. Yeah. I I, I think in parenting, coaching, teaching, uh, and I've, I've developed this mantra over the last maybe three or four years. We just have to get past the moment. In the moment, we are so, as adults, we are so frustrated. We cannot understand what these kids are thinking. We want to do X, Y, and Z to them three, four times. But once we get past that moment and get past the adrenaline that the infraction or the whatever happened brings forth, um, we're usually pretty sensible and pretty understanding. So for me, it's getting past that moment. And then if I get past the moment, I'm good. Like I had a kid the other night at practice who just walked out. And I was pissed in the moment, but I got past the moment. Mm-hmm. And I texted him like, yeah, what's going on? And then he came back. Mm-hmm. So I just got past the moment of him not being there. We can call that pulling a Charles. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I got past the moment. Um, and... The th- one of the things I carried with me that I still think about quite a lot, and this won't surprise you, is when he talked about giving chances. Yes. There's no finite number of chances to give. No. And we often think that. And, you know, he was saying, you know, I don't, I don't do any arbitrary chances thing like that because if I do that, I box myself in. Mm-hmm. So if I say, if you don't do this, you can't do this, 
and you know every situation is different mm -hmm. he doesn't box himself in and you know like I've known him for over 20 years now and you know he is as good as person as as they come mm -hmm. and again as with Dwayne as with Karen as with a lot of the people we talked about I asked him do you ever think about how it is you being back in that community impact you're having because he's a black man and we talked about the amount of black teachers that I had growing up I think it might it might have been two and he he said he had none mm -hmm. do you think about that impact you have you know you teaching these kids and you're like oh nah, not really <laughs> I yeah because you just do the work you just do the work and you know when you're on that level you know I always say teaching is the most one of the most honorable professions you can have uh, shaping the young minds. The impact you have is so direct. Mm -hmm. um, it's much better than counting other people's money, I say. <laughs> and, or cleaning their swimming pool. It's basically <laughs> what I do. Keep their yeah. swimming pool clean. Yeah, so, you know, it was good to have him on and to talk about those things in his journey. And, you know, he was he was good. He was really good. He needs to listen to the episode. Yeah, I don't know if he has yet. I gotta, I gotta check. He's because yeah. he, uh, it was like about a week afterwards, and I said, "Hey, you know," because um, another mutual friend of ours had listened to it mm -hmm. um, because he used to ref some of Charles's games, <laughs> and uh, he had listened to it and he thought it was awesome. He, yeah. he, he thought Charles was great, and he was like, "Oh, that's great! I'll listen to it at some point." <laughs> Do it for me, Charles. <laughs> I'm gonna message him today. Yes. Um, but that was, that was good. And I think both of those points will continue to stay with me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I never really thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. um, the get past the moment thing is, is... I mean, if everybody understood that, what a different world this would be. It, it would be. Mm -hmm. um, because I think we tend to look at these kids and we think they have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. and, and we just... This is a conversation Joe and I have about various things. We... we Sometimes we just judge against an unrealistic standard. Right, because we weren't perfect. Yeah. I mean, Joe gets frustrated with the dogs, and I say, but I th sometimes, like, they're dogs. Sometimes I feel like you judge them like they're, they're kids that are being disobedient. They're dogs. I'm not going to go against my friend on those dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't see anything. <laughs> He's right. I saw nothing. I saw nothing. <laughs> But I mean, we all do it. We all, no, and, and no. It, it's, you know, we have to kind of, I always used to say working in fitness that I, I try to just meet people where they are. Yeah. A lot of times I think we forget not where we come from, but who we were. Mm -hmm. And so you see, you know, now you're this person like me, I'm, I'll be 45 in July. And now, you know, I have a level of maturity and I make certain decisions that I wouldn't have made at 25. 100%. And I have a comfort level with myself that I didn't possess. Right. And so now you're looking at these kids and you're like, well, why aren't they X, Y, and Z? And so sometimes you just got to... You got to remember. Mm -hmm. You got to remember. So that was a great interview. I'm glad we had... He was also our first remote interview. Oh, that's right. Uh -huh. That was the first time. And, and if anybody out there is ever thinking about uh, starting a podcast... Um, Squadcast is the platform we use to record our remote guests. Yeah. And I can't, they're not sponsoring the show, though if they wanted to, I would talk to them. <laughs> but 
it was a I was interviewed for a podcast and that's what they used and it was so easy and seamless and effortless that I that's was, right he, he logged on right from his basement yep and boom there we were so for what that's worth but yes that was a great episode I hope he'll listen to it <laughs> maybe yes um our next guest that we had is somebody that I've known since elementary school um she's somebody that um I've kept in touch with over the years because of Facebook. Like she's somebody that I knew growing up that I probably, you know, without the invent, the invention of social media probably would have, we would have just dropped off each other's radar. Right. But, um, because we had Facebook and now Instagram, we were able to reconnect and stay connected and check up on each other. She, um, um, we connected once a few years ago when I was still blogging and she was doing a lot of writing and we talked about writing quite a bit. And then we reconnected, uh, for the episode a couple weeks ago, cinnamon love is, um, uh, an adult, right? She, she works in the adult entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. She, uh, throughout her life has been married and divorced. She's She's a parent. She's a grandparent actively helping to raise her grandson, who is awesome. Um, and I'm I'm lucky that I get to see snapshots of <laughs> this adorable boy. And she is an activist, and she is an advocate, and uh, a community organizer in her own right. She is the one who said to me, of course we do this in our lives. Look at where we're from. We're from Flint. Yeah, the funniest thing about that is when I told my wife we were interviewing her and who she was. She's like, "Oh, you're gonna you're gonna watch a bunch of." <laughs> and I told my wife, "I was like, nah, I'm not gonna watch any of them." She was like, "Why?" Like, because that's not what the interview is about. Right. It's not really about that. Like, that's a part of her life. But I'm more interested in what she experienced before that and during that, and what led her to do what she does now. Mm-hmm. And so to hear her talk about, you know, not getting equal pay and, you know, these women not always being safe, mm-hmm. those things were interesting interesting to me. You know what I mean? Um, because you don't really think about that. Like, you know, we're all adults, and I'm sure most people who here are listening have seen these adult films. And you don't think about that. You don't think about, well... Is this woman being safe or mm-hmm. are they forcing her to do something she might not want to do or how much is she getting paid for this? Like you don't think about none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And to talk to someone who was so eloquent and so articulate in talking about those kinds of things and you also don't think about who these women are. So you guys were auditioning for the school? Um, yeah, one one day a week you would get yeah one day a week mm-hmm. you would get bust from your school like oh. and this was all all of the schools in the entire city so it was like every elementary school mm-hmm. participated in this program where they take the smartest kids mm-hmm. from each class and you would go to the school <laughs> one day a week just for you know to to see and you would get graded yeah. and yeah and, and, but it was like a day full of electives. You know, mm-hmm. like so, it, so you weren't doing mm-hmm. math. Well, we we were doing math, but we it was did. sort of disguised as rocketry Other, for yeah. you know, you know yep. like a 
Kind of like, I'm, I'm, I liken it to the STEM program that they have at Wadsworth, similar but different. I went to public school 24, and we had to go five <laughs> days a week. Like, what do we do? Yeah, it was, well, they were, they were trying to develop engineers at mm. that age. Like, so everything that we did was really geared, it was a gifted magnet program, but everything mm-hmm. we did was really geared towards seeing if they could create engineers from the ground up. So, you know, like, if we were studying, I don't know, Isaac Asimov, this is my middle school, like, if you were doing, like, as Isaac Asimov in science class, you know, in English class, you were building model rockets in your right. science class, like, right. and studying, you know, astro- astronomy, like, and our grade school was the same way, like, we mm-hmm. really did, we had a TV show, we had a TV we station, a TV we had a TV class. station in the fifth uh-huh. grade, yeah. <laughs> or do you remember doing mini society, like, the big, yes, like, Yes. of the year was doing yes. a mini society where we created a currency and businesses and, and businesses business so, in the classroom and we'd classroom. have to go around and you'd spend money <laughs> and you'd figure out like where if your if your yeah. business was based in this part of the school wow. you know the classroom the and you might grade. make more money because of the location yeah it was like a city planning class yeah, like, it really was so yeah. now I know, I know Sue. And, and binary. Sue. We, learned, we learned binary also. What in the world? We were using print so, shop, like all the things. <laughs> about print shop. Oh, my gosh. How, so how many people do you guys still keep in touch with from that school? I, not really. I mean, not really. Handful, but really only uh, like on with Facebook. so many things because of Facebook, because of social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't. So like, so mm-hmm. just know, you know, reading a little bit about Cinnamon. And now, knowing you, I think that school worked. <laughs> no, and the reason yeah. I say that, the reason I say that is because you guys, you know, you both think outside of the box mm-hmm. when it comes to certain things, mm-hmm. and you have an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. Both of you, you both of you do. Mm-hmm. So that thing, that experiment, I think worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, I you, think you it, didn't become an engineer, but right. Well, but we we learned to engineer our lives. Yes, you know, and in ways that we might not have otherwise it wasn't some like destitute story and it's not to say that those destitute stories don't exist they do exist but because of people like cinnamon trying to uh educate and help empower the women coming up behind her because of the women who came before her they will exist less right i i I appreciate that about her. She said a couple things. One one point that she made um, was about now we have two generations that think porn is free. That's true. So on the one hand, where sort of the ease of accessibility and technology and everything at our fingertips also, you know, made something that was a very lucrative industry take a hit because you know, of these tube sites and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she also talked about just who owns these studios mm-hmm. and how deep the racism goes back. Right. The good old boys, as she called yeah. them. Good old boys. At the same time, they have the money to help fight certain mm-hmm. fights right. that need to be fought. And that, and that was the question I asked. Like, you know, are we trying to get them out of here? And she was like, well... We need, we need these studios because these studios are the ones who follow lawsuits on our behalf to mm-hmm. keep you know, to make sure we're not censored or to make sure we're not mm-hmm. so it, it's not as black and white and that was 
that part of the conversation stayed with me. I applied it to other things. I apply it. I apply it to, you know, even our league a little bit. Um, you know, some of the f- philosophical differences I have with how the league is run, but ultimately, I'm not leaving it. Like this league needs to exist. Yeah. Even in the way it is, so that other things can happen. Right. Um, it was. It was a good take. So, a few days after or maybe a week after um, posting that interview with Cinnamon, um, what happened, the shooting in Atlanta happened. Mm. Right? Eight victims of a murderer who went on a shooting spree killing Asian women at massage parlors. Right. And I probably would have thought about that story exactly the way the news read it to me had I not had this conversation with Cinnamon. Because the the news still somewhat sanitized what happened. Like, do we not think for anyone who doesn't think that this guy went to shoot Asian people is nuts. Like, he fetishized these women. Like, but that's it. They were mm-hmm. they're sex workers. Right. They kept calling it a spa, the spas, which they are. Mm-hmm. But like, you're not going to a spa to get your eyebrows waxed and get a massage. I mean, he was he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't right. Yeah. Um, and. In so many ways, in so many, in so many ways, people don't take seriously violence against sex workers, because I, I mean, Cinnamon kind of spelled it out in a Facebook post that again I, I might not have read in in the same way had I not talked to her. Where very often people think they can get away with it because right. there's no protections. They're not going to be missed. They're, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they're somehow less than because of the work that they're performing. You know what kills me about that? This guy, and this is a total side note, I'm sorry. This guy is saying he killed them because they presented temptation, temptation. for him. Right. Like, what are we talking about here? Right. And then the police, well, he had a very bad day. Not as bad as the Asian women he killed. Right. Like, but that's just it. So, so again, because of this conversation with Cinnamon, I kind of looked at this from a different... So he, A, has mental health issues, obviously. Mm-hmm. B, sex addiction is real. Just, it's mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. He's a white male, so he is fully comfortable just naturally turning his problem onto, mm-hmm. you know, his, his addiction, his problem is the fault of the women providing the service. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on three different networks, I watched this coverage, and on three different networks, I never heard the term sex worker. It was, you know, it, it was just very sanitized. Mm-hmm. And Cinnamon is doing some work with some organizations that are really uh, trying to educate people that this just, this goes deep and and part of the reason why these women are so vulnerable is because they're still their work is still criminalized yeah and i think like i think that is a part of it as well but i also think if this was a black man who did it it wouldn't be as sanitized of course of course you know what i'm saying like of course and if it was i guess that's just what i'm saying like it's just such a more layered issue than super layered yeah and um 
than a, a white dude having a bad day. Yeah, we could have a whole podcast on that alone. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I, I'm seeing all these posts about that particular thing. And um, I have a lot of friends who are Asian. Um, I grew up in Flushing, Queens. I spent 13 years there, and it was predominantly Asian. And I had Asian friends, even had an Asian girlfriend back in the day, <laughs> okay? And I see some of my black friends posting about, well, when black people are killed, we don't get And I'm like, I don't know if that's the hill you stand on now. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't, like, for me, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And so you want people to stand with you, you got to stand with them too. Um, so I just feel bad for the, you know, the increased violence, whether it's sex workers or Asian people, because, you know, I blame Trump, but that's a whole different podcast. I mean, I can, there's not much I can't blame on Trump. <laughs> it's a whole different podcast. But yeah, it is. But I appreciated her willingness to come on the show. Yeah. I, I, uh, I reached out to her, and she said yes immediately. No research or, or selling her on it needed, and I appreciated that because yeah. I could have I talked to her for hours. Yeah, she, opened, she, she really opened my eyes to some things, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of, you know, the racism and the safety and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, for me, like, that was an interview where I didn't even, I don't know if I asked maybe two or three questions, mm-hmm. maybe, because she was so engaging. Mm-hmm. And her story was, you know, it was a good, you know, so it was such a good story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you know, I wish her all the luck in what she does. And she's just a good person. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like when you listen to that back, you know, you, she just seems like a good person, mm-hmm. warm and loving and caring and all those things, but also, you know, very laser focused on what she needs to do for the people that she's fighting for. Right. Yep. And I definitely uh, understand, heard, understand, and am uh, seeing in a new way how I feel and what I believe about decriminal... (laughs) Decriminalizing? Thank you. That Her work, that line of work, that type of work. Decriminalizing LGBT. (laughs) I know. Like... I'm sorry, you guys. I try. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I definitely understand one, that in a new are way. Are we one of the only countries that criminalize that? Like, aren't like in Europe? Like, you can, you can be a sex worker. Like, you can be a prostitute. No problem, right? I mean, I'm sure it's not without problems, but I mean, I, I don't know that it's criminalized anywhere the way it is here. No, you know. You, and all, I and I would oh. have. I think a, another conversation I would have had with her. It definitely wasn't part of this one. But I would have wanted to talk to her about trafficking. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. She's probably seen that. Mm-hmm. You know, America criminalizes anything that poor people can use to get out of being 100%. You know what that I'm is it right there. You know what I mean? So that is what that's about. Yeah. Like, you know, so you, you protecting a woman from what? Mm-hmm. It's her body. Right. You know, she can do what she wants. If yep. she wants to sell it, I mean, that's that's what that's, that's the abortion debate right there. Yeah, that's, that's on her. Yep. So all of it. Yeah, you yeah. know, it, a quick way to get out, they they criminalize it because mm-hmm. they want you staying where you at. Yep. They want us poor and dumb and overworked, so we can't organize and mm-hmm. march. The words of my son when <laughs> we had a lot of 
you know, early out of the pandemic last year, you and I were having a lot of conversations, mm-hmm. but so were Joseph and I. And that was one of them about how the man wants us all overworked and poor and sick. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. oh, mm-hmm. boom. All right. That's <laughs> yeah, it. Thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> So I had one more friend that we called up or that I called up to to join us on the podcast. And I've said it, what, six times now already. But when we started talking about community, I said, I wonder if Dane would ever come on the show. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know. I, we had not spoken really, I don't think, I since I left Flint in 2008. Um, really? I didn't know that. I mean, we swapped some likes or whatever on facebook or whatever but you know he was in in big stuff and i went off and was on doing big stuff and um and his social media profile was very much his um political um profile you know so uh so yeah no we hadn't really it had been that long i mean i haven't been back to flint since we left about one time yeah. Two times. Two times. But anyway, I, but he definitely was the ty- type of friend that <clears throat> when we did talk, we just picked up kind of right where he left off. But Dane Walling is the former mayor of Flint, Michigan, and he was the mayor at the, he was the, the mayor at the beginning, at the flick, at the genesis of the water crisis. Yeah, I looked forward to that interview um, because I was interested to see what he had to say. He's someone, uh, like as a human, he is somebody that even when we were kids, he was such a good human being. He was such a good person. And I didn't talk about this on the podcast or whatever, but we dated for a minute. And I was not equipped. We know couples who have, young couples who have dated, and they were not equipped. They were too young and not really equipped to handle the (laughs) magnitude. Like I was at the the time that we were close in high school I was not comfortable in my skin I was not um I was kind of holding a lot under the surface right there mm-hmm. and I could not get comfortable in that brief relationship with him yeah because he, he even at 17 16 years old he was knew, just he, so he, com- he, know, he knew he knew exactly he who he was um and so and I just had no doubt that if I could get him to say yes to come on the show. He would, he would be who he was. So I sent him this rambling email. <laughs> like, hi, I know we haven't talked in yeah, ten years. Yeah, see, I didn't realize that. I thought you guys had kept up with each other. Just, I mean, just looking at each other's, each other's stuff on Facebook. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so it was. I this kind of rambling email, and I'm doing this now, and this is our theme and i'm sure you know there are probably restrictions on what you can talk about or what you want to talk about or whatever and and i don't i'm not looking to be salacious but you know you were doing some really cool stuff Mm -hmm. before this and i think you're doing some really cool stuff after this and and i would like you to talk about as much of that as you can or you're comfortable with and i hit send and then the next day i read in the news about more charges in the case happening being filed in Michigan and I thought oh shit I hope he doesn't think like I'm yeah I'm after so I wrote another <laughs> email <laughs> I'm like oh I just saw this stuff in the news and I don't want you to think like I 
I'm, I never mind. Never mind. Like, forget it. Forget I said anything. <laughs> and a few days later, he messaged me back, just kind of like we were 16 years old. And he was like, Sue, no, of course I will be on your. I mean, it was the same thing. It was a yes right away. There were so many difficult moments as mayor in Flint, and, and most of those did not get national media attention, so that was different about the, the water crisis. But th- there was a kind of um, core strength that I, I believed I had developed during my time in office. It's like when you're, you know, you're, you're training every day how to interact with people who have very different views than you do. Um, very different life experiences. You know, you, you can't sleep. You're you're wondering about the budget. You're wondering about you know what's coming next to the community. So, I, I saw it more as wanting to stay and be part of the fight for justice in Flint. Um, some people might not have wanted to hear that, um, but I have invested so much of my you know life in this community. And, and I knew a lot of what the state was still trying to do, even when uh, Dr. Weaver was in office and, you know, I was a, a private citizen. Um, the, the kinds of things they were trying to do and trying to pull were just reminiscent of what I had experienced and, you know, lifted my voice on Facebook. And I, I didn't necessarily have the local media wanting to interview, interview me on these issues because they could go to Dr. Weaver and, and hear from, you know, the mayor herself. But... Uh, I've done what I could to try to be a part of those conversations, um, to lift up my voice and to say, you know, this is what Flint needs. This is what would make a difference and and just stay in that fight. I I think we have to recognize that, you know, democracy is not just like, you know, driving through and ordering your your favorite coffee or what kind of toppings you want on your cheeseburger. Um, It's it's tough. And, and there's winners and there's losers, but we can't all just walk away. You know, we, we, have, to, we have to stay in the mix. Yeah, I was struck at how he took responsibility for his part. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, you know... I like I said I don't know if I said it to him. No, maybe I said it to you afterwards. You know I got a lot of friends. You know you see the Flint. You know they always put the young black people on the news. When you know obviously Flint has white people too getting sick from the water. Mm-hmm. But a couple of my friends were like, "Oh, did you take him to task?" And I was just like, "I think you should listen because he took himself to task." Mm-hmm. Like you can't take someone to task who says I should have triple checked. Like, you can't take someone to task who said, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's my responsibility. What are you supposed to say to that? Now, obviously, a bad thing happened. But I often say, you know, when you're a doctor and you're at work and a bad thing happens, somebody dies. When you're an accountant, you do a reversing journal entry. Mm -hmm. When you're a mayor of a town and a bad thing happens, sometimes people die. Mm -hmm. That doesn't minimize it. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, oh, well, people died. Oh, well. Like, I'm not saying but that. But you said sometimes good people make mistakes. Right. And that, that's just, that's life, right? Mm-hmm. And so for him to talk about, you know, hey, I've learned I got to check with people who don't work for the government. Now, 
Now, was that a huge statement or yep. was that a huge statement? I mean, I got a friend, and I hope he's listened to it. He's a big non-government person. He's a big, he's anti-vaccine. He's anti-everything, right? And I said, he said something about, like, he was asking about the interview. I said, he said something about independent, independent medical experts that I know you're going to love. Mm-hmm. Because, like, hey, you know, at the same time, you know, I, I like Dr. Fauci. But I also want to listen to the people who don't work for the government mm-hmm. who can tell me about the coronavirus. Right. And he feels like he should have done that. And when you listen to him, like, I don't know the guy, okay? My first time meeting him. So you guys go back, but I don't. And... I feel like I can tell when somebody's BSing me and when somebody's sincere. The sincerity that he had, it's hard to fake that. One of the articles that I posted leading up to that, the the last paragraph said he's not ruthless enough for politics. He's not. He's not ruthless. And you know that because he did not spend any time uh, covering his ass. And because of that, he got named in some lawsuits, but obviously he was later dropped from them because they realized that he was duped as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you can take him to task for being duped. You can say maybe he shouldn't have been duped. I get that. And I've seen, you know, Sue showed me some posts not too long ago where somebody was saying, oh, he let people die. I don't think that's the right narrative. I think people died on his watch. To say he let them die is wrong. That he poisoned our city. Yeah, that's that's not what happened. And you should educate yourself on what happened. That's all. Find out what happened. Do it for him. For a guy who still lives there in Flint, who his wife is there, his kids are there, he still works there. Um, he's not hiding from nobody. He said in our conversation leading up to the interview that he doesn't like to turn these interviews down as long as they're legit because as long as there's somebody who still wants to talk about it he feels like he has to be willing to to do that yeah so I I would advise everybody who knows about the Flint water crisis to do their research on it yeah Um, because I think he was in some ways collateral damage in terms of well I don't know, maybe not. And, and his political life was damaged, but I don't think his personal life yeah. was as damaged because I think people took the time to find out some stuff because um, the, the, the very fact that he still lives there mm-hmm. means it cannot be that bad for him there. Right. Okay. He said something interesting um, because I, I was trying to get in a little bit to his head about what it felt like to have loved this community so hard and have these people that he's known his whole life, born and raised there, people, even like the, the friend of mm-hmm. ours that left that comment, that, you know, we were all there together, um, so angry at him. And he said, you know what? He said, there were challenges to being the mayor of Flint. This one was just in the news. Like, there were yeah. a lot of situations yeah, that were yeah. really hard that people don't know about because they didn't make national news. So he had already experienced some of that, you know. Yeah. He had a great perspective. He's like, yo, that's politics, man. Like, mm-hmm. basically, hey, you know, I'm, I was the mayor, so I'm going to hear some of that regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know. And he said, you know, I consider what, I, I consider the, the water crisis a trauma that was inflicted on the community. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and trauma is something that I'm particularly interested in right now, learning about and examining for my own personal reasons. And um, I had talked about a story that I'd heard where somebody else had a trauma and felt like the first response to that trauma was not to feel it, to not feel any feelings for a little while. And I wanted to talk about that even more with Dane because he got right to work. Like he took his, what happened and turned it right into, like he said, getting the water filters to the, the mm-hmm. women who were, had to make formula with tap water. He went, like he turned around and put everything right into the work. And I just, he still experienced this as a human being too, as like a person. Yeah, I don't know if he has allowed himself mm-hmm. Um, I think I asked him that. Like, do you even allow yourself to feel to any kind there. of pity when you when all these people are getting sick? And I don't think he did. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he ever did. It'll and, be interesting when he writes that book. Yeah, and what I also found interesting is that had he not had the right filter, his kids would have got sick. It's another question that they I wanted to say. They would have. We lived on the same street. The house that Joe and I had Joseph and Carolyn in was he, a few houses down from where Dane lives with his family. He was drinking the water. He was drinking the water. <laughs> and what I didn't ask, and I feel like maybe some people who had a preconceived idea of what they thought, you know, going into it, mm-hmm. probably would have wanted me to ask and were saying in their cars was, what were you brushing your teeth with? What were you taking showers in? Like, the water you know he so was, yes he was brushing his teeth with that water he wasn't getting bottled water he I wasn't mean, getting i guess water. he was after he found out he wasn't getting water from the fridge but i wanted him to say that i wanted I, I i think that probably some of our listeners needed to hear him say okay like i was Listen, i was cool with i hope our listeners are smart enough to know that if he's happy he had the filter in the fridge he's using the water mm-hmm. like he was cooking with that water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he, yeah. you know, so he's just lucky his kids didn't get sick. Yeah. That's it. Not everybody got sick from the water. Right. He's lucky. Yeah. He was drinking that water. He drank a, a glass of it right there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what are we talking about? And when this, you know, so when this story was breaking, truly, on, I mean, it's not, I'm not even making this up. I was standing in line at the bank. <laughs> And I, you know, CNN was playing on the TVs behind the tellers. And I was looking. I noticed the word Flint on the ticker. And that was Dane drinking the water. Right. So you got to ask yourself this, right? If he knows the water is bad, would he be down there drinking the water? Right. Right, exactly. Did you see the governor down there drinking the water? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the fuck you didn't see. Yeah. But I really, I thought that was just a great conversation too and a great way to end the season. He he was uh, genuine and thoughtful and really open to any question. I appreciated it. Um, I, I, I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. And I respect, I respect him a whole hell of a lot for uh, doing that. Now, you know, he knows maybe 80, 90 people will hear this, but you never know what's going to get picked up anywhere. When you're a politician, and for him to just accept his role in it, I should now I know I should double and triple check. Now I know I should talk to X, Y, and Z people, and not just this person. Like so, that's enough for me. But I don't live in Flint. Yeah. And I didn't have a kid that got sick from the water. Right. 
And so I do understand if people want to still be mad. Yeah. Um, but, you know, facts are facts. And I hope everybody in that community and who's from there and whose kids even got sick take the time to find out what really happened. And if you want to hold him accountable, you can because he holds himself accountable. But he may not be responsible. And there's a difference. There's a difference. And on a personal level, I was happy to see that I was right about him in high school. <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah. he still is who he was then. And and it he's not ruthless. And people can go through things and it can really change them. And certainly getting into politics could change you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was uh, a nice ending to the conversation to be able to say you are who I always who you were you yeah. know he was good yeah he was a good he guy he was a good guy and i think i think he'll be back on yes yeah. i hope so i think he'll be back on yep for sure so that was our season on community and um it was really uh i think an excellent examination of the word and the thought and the idea of you know where we come from affecting where we're going mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah, and I, you know we had some great guests, and uh, nobody told us no when we asked them to come on. I didn't well, have anybody I asked tell us no. To come on, they never came. So, but they, but he didn't tell us no. That's like a no, though. <laughs> <laughs> but I just appreciate that. that no, um, you know, I, these I conversations think, were were um, were met with a lot of openness. So I think that speaks to. You know, not to toot our own horns or nothing, but it speaks to who we are as people, right? Well, I'm the nice one. <laughs> That's we determined. Victor said it last night, so it's true. <laughs> I don't know if anyone would confuse me with the nice one. So, <laughs> But I think people understand that we're not trying to embarrass them, mm-hmm. that we're going to be truthful and talking to them about why we're trying to talk to them. And even just being new in the game and new at this, we're still, uh, we're still going to... It's going to be not wasted time. We're going to get to something good. Yeah. So Each one, we really got to something good. I, I feel like we did, for sure. I think each of them had a nugget in there that was great. Mm-hmm. When I, uh, w- there was a period of time where I watched a lot of talk shows, and I would sit there and think to myself, yeah, I mean, it's fun to hear an interview with J-Lo. <laughs> but I'm curious about real people. If I had a talk show, I would have regular people on it because regular people have extraordinary stories. And that's and what here we are. That's what Oprah and Phil used to do back mm-hmm. in the day. They didn't yeah. have stories. But all there's the time. nothing. I mean, there was there wasn't anything like that. I mean, not anymore. Not right now. Nah. Yeah. That's because they're all doing podcasts. <laughs> they're all doing podcasts. <laughs> would be for us. <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you listening to our Best of Season 2 episode. I hope that if you um, missed one along the way, go go back and give it a listen um, and share with us what you like. I would love to know what your favorites are. Um, If you listen to our podcasts in a place that you're able to leave a rating or a review, um, five stars would be awesome. (laughs) But... Uh, rating and reviewing when you listen helps us get seen by other people um, and increases our visibility in a, in a good way. If you are not already part of our Facebook group, the Strongly Worded Pod group, uh, you should be. I would love to, to have more people involved in there. I'd like to try to post things leading up to episodes or post things 
after episodes to get people a little more strongly worded in our conversations. Yeah, we need everyone in that group to listen. Yes, and truthfully, we would really love it too if everybody in the group would share a favorite episode Yo, that on, would be their, yeah. on their social. Oh, maybe, maybe we'll post that. Yeah. But even so, even if it's just the 80 of us, that's <laughs> awesome too because we really enjoy doing this and we really enjoy having you all along on the ride. Follow us also on Instagram at the Strongly Worded Pod. Um, I'm I'm dipping a toe into Clubhouse. Oh, are you? I mean, we've been we've been on it for a while. I know, but I I listened to a podcast where one of the hosts is getting into it, and so I've spent a little time playing so, around with it. So, so. are we going to go on the podcast and talk about some stuff? Yeah, we on may. The we may. I'm, we may. I'm down. I'm, I'm down for that. I haven't actually talked yet, but I've listened to a lot of the conversations. So, um, and. Uh, so yeah, find us on our social. Come join our group, and um, stay tuned. We have we will be introducing season three very soon. Uh, it's going to be another good one. I oh, think. it's going to be great. I think it's really going to be. Great. I was talking. I was talking to a prospective guest today. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. All right, thank you for listening, everybody. Strongly worded. Yeah, before I left the house, I was saying. I said this. I said that. This strongly worded podcast is written and produced by Johnny Hampton and Sue O'Lear. Music production and vocals by Marshall Max Lamont Hamilton and cover art by Samantha Shakes.